tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing, man. Yeah, that's remarkable. Alex, I'd like to start this podcast by setting a scene in Houston, Texas. How does that sound? We're, we're capital J journalists these days, so we got to do some scene setting. Maybe get a nut graph in here a little bit. You're going to dump your notebook later in this podcast. Give it a little notes column in podcast form. That's journalism lingo right there. Right, but first, you're about to do a little showing, overtelling. I'm going to Hunter S. Thompson this one. The scene, it's the Fox Sports post-game interview set. Mm-hmm. On your left, you have Kevin Burkhart. One seat to the right, you have none other than Alex Rodriguez. In the middle, being interviewed, Josh Lowe. Charming guy, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Charming, I like him. He seems like a nice guy. seems just like one of us, you know? Just like an awkward, kind of goofy guy. I like him. We got Poppy. And of course, we have Derek Jeter sitting over there in silence. Getting paid to not talk to not ask questions, to not participate in the bits. This is how I know that we could never have Jeter on the pod because he wouldn't participate in the bits. No, he absolutely wouldn't. He'd be a great straight guy, though. a great straight guy. He's a great straight guy. It's like the tabloids always said, Derek Jeter, great straight guy. We don't need a straight man on this pod. We got two color guys, two jokesters. <laughs> uh-huh. You ruined my scene. You ruined, you, you, you got me sidetracked. <laughs> Sorry, let's pull it back. Pull it back. Okay. We're in Houston. The fog is rolling in off the hills. <laughs> There's a dew on the grass. Right. <laughs> the slight chill in the air. Here are the three points that Alex Rodriguez needed to get over in his three interviews with Nathaniel Lowe. Did I say Nathaniel Lowe the first time or did I say Josh Lowe? You said Josh Lowe. God damn it. <laughs> I just went along with it too. I, I pictured Josh Lowe in my head and was like, yeah, no, that tracks. It's late, all right? It's it's 11.04 p.m. We're not, we're not even going to clean that one up. We're not even going to clean that one up. It's Nathaniel Lowe, obviously. You all know this. Here are the three points that A-Rod needed to get over. Number one, he needed to make sure that everybody knew how great of a job Ray Davis has done as the owner mm-hmm. of the Texas Rangers. Because sports owners stick together. And we have to remember that Alex Rodriguez is a sports owner. Yeah. Though, I don't know how those payments are working out. Anybody checking on that recently? How, is he making his payments? It's a great question. Tonight is the the start of the the NBA season, so they might be on be on him a little bit more. Um, Here's Alex Rodriguez's second important point that he had to get across. He had to make sure that everybody knows that the Rangers are an organization that comport themselves with dignity. Dignity was the word that he wanted to throw out there in the in the ether about the Rangers. Mm-hmm. The Rangers, owned by Ray Davis, the only team in baseball not to do a Pride Night. Dignity, interesting word choice just thought that was interesting it's real like trying to put a a new label on like on the on the exact same thing that you're describing (laughs) right it's like it's like oh this is the these guys carry themselves well you know like they these guys are ball players they're adults they don't get too high and they don't get too low nope but they pick each other up that's what they do dignity uh, third point, and this is just textbook Alex Rodriguez stuff. This is like him getting a 92-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle and smashing it for a home run, something that he doesn't want anyone else to do. He looked Nathaniel Lowe right in the eye, and his question about this game was, you saw Christian Javier coming in. It's been tough to tee up his fastball this postseason. Were you guys trying to stay on top of the ball tonight? I watched like two hours of post game just to get this content. So I really hope that I you know and the listeners you... at home appreciate it. <laughs> Nathaniel it was... Lowe, he was like the fifth person interviewed. All right. I had to sit through multiple <laughs> interviews to get to this. It was good too. The content was good, was good last night. The, you, I wish you could have been there next to me when I heard him ask that question because the look on Nathaniel Lowe's face where he's like, How do you answer that question? What if he was like, what No, you, we what do you trying. say? Yeah. He he goes, yeah, I mean, he he has a good fastball. It has good life. We just didn't want to pop it up. Great. Great conversation. So you didn't want to pop it. You didn't want to have an infield fly. Awesome. Great question. I I almost feel like post-game interview questions have regressed. 
Like they've just been they've been really flattened into the most like non-offensive. I mean, I mean they're tailor-made to encourage the exact answers that they get, right? Which is, yeah, you know, we just tried to go out there and take it one pitch at a time. A uh, really great guy out there on the mound, but, you know, we just had to stay true to ourselves. And it, and it almost feels like a lot of the questions start from the point of, I have an idea of what I'm, what I'm looking for you to say. And so and how, answer. what is, yeah. so, right. So what is like the easiest vehicle for me to get you there? Were you guys trying to stay on top of the ball tonight? <laughs> they scored 11 runs. Like what? <laughs> Yeah, we were just trying to hit singles. You know, I'm sure right. Adelise Garcia. Opposite field. He really wished that he just hit one down the line instead. If you, if, know, you just... if you look at all of Garcia's at bats, he was trying to stay on top of the ball in pretty much every pitch. Right? <laughs> he line was drive. trying. He was trying to lit, like legitimately hit the cover off the ball. He was a man out for blood, and you know what? He got it. <laughs> he got it. To be honest, I was probably more entertained by the the post game show than I was the game that preceded it between yeah. the Astros and the Rangers. Like I, what a stinker! Yeah, true stinker. From from Marcus Simeon like coming over and and doing the the interview and then halfway through getting pulled away to go take the like team <laughs> photo. We just won the ALCS and his kid is just there. Like, where do I go? Three kids. He had three kids. He there. Had, he had three kids there. Yeah. And so he pulled one on his lap. They get <laughs> my personal favorite was when they got Scherzer over there yeah. uh, on the on the setup with them. And so you were grinding post game tape along with me. I really was, you know, but I was, I was taking fastidious notes. You know, I was not, I was not trying to turn the content out, um, uh, night of. Yeah. You were saving them for the game. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Much discussion on the tipping pitches live stream about the concept of being too good during the regular season and then (laughs) sucking in the playoffs. (laughs) Whereas Jose Abreu and some other players are doing it in reverse. They suck during the regular season and then they just saved all their hits for the postseason. And I gotta say, that's analytics. That is analytics right there. The reason that we're vamping so hard off the top here and not talking about the World Series matchup that everybody listening to this podcast already knows is that in our time, on our timeline, it is still the top of the ninth in the Phillies-Diamondbacks game. It's looking good for the Snakes right now, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to commit to that because... Things can always go haywire in the city of Philadelphia. If that's any, if there's anything that we've learned, it's that. So uh, we're going to start by talking about the the end of the Rangers Astros series. We will then subsequently re- react to the end of the NLCS in real time as it is happening. And then, of course, Alex is going to dump his notes from this past week of everything he's observed, and I'm going to react to that. And we will talk maybe a little bit about some smaller storylines as we head into as we head into the World Series. That starts later this week. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, thank you to this week's new patrons. Those patrons are Tim and Nikki. Uh, I made reference to the watch-along of Sunday night's game six between the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. We have done one watch along per round of this postseason. We will be doing one watch along, at least one. I don't know. Do you want to maybe throw in an extra one? Maybe if there's a game seven, we'll talk about it. No promises. Uh, And those watch alongs are available to members of the Tipping Pitches Patreon. You can find that Patreon at patreon.com slash Pitches. You can get into those watch-alongs at any tier, and they're a lot of fun. But the resounding topic of this past week's was uh, how Masterclass is a Ponzi scheme. So if you want to hear such important investigations as that, the Tipping Pitches Slack and Patreon and watch-along community is for you. Okay, we have the American League side of the World Series In mere minutes, we will have the National League side of the World Series, but we're going to focus here on the Texas Rangers. (sighs) What are we? What's going on? What's what's going on in Texas, Alex? What's going on? How did they do this? How did they overcome just horrendous vibes 
just crashing and burning at the end of the season. Injuries to a lot of, honestly, a lot of their important players. The main pitcher that they signed to help with their woeful rotation from 2022, which caused them to lose 94 games last year, need I remind you. That man is named Jacob deGrom. Many of you heard me going absolutely capital T, capital I, through it last year, last offseason, when he signed with the Texas Rangers. He won them six games. They needed all six of them just to make it into the postseason. And despite all of that, despite losing him, despite Scherzer getting hurt and missing a lot of the postseason and not being that effective, he comes in, he's okay enough in Game 7 to carry the Rangers until their offense clicked it on, and they just, um, they kind of pants the Astros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the dominant dynasty of our time doing this podcast. They made them look worse than any other team has. Even when the Nationals beat them in the 2019 World Series, every game was pretty close, pretty well competed, and I the, the Rangers made the Astros look about as bad as any team has in this run, give or take the 2018 Red Sox, who were a dominant team that won the World Series. So um, what's your takeaway? How do they do it? How do you feel about them heading into the World Series? Have they made themselves any more likable to you after having watched 90 minutes of post-game content of them, their players being interviewed? Right, Max Scherzer and his, his three kids and Alex Rodriguez trying desperately, desperately to keep a straight face while the one kid is is sitting there with like her arms flailed up in the air in the middle of the interview. That was my favorite part. I just I just want to say. Arod looking kind of short on that broadcast by the way. I don't know if his seat is lower or like what's mm-hmm. going on there. He's looking kind of short in comparison to the players. I didn't pick up on that, but again, that's why we both do these watches is because we make up for each other's blind spots. My my initial takeaway from this series somewhat mimics the that the takeaway that I had from the Phillies Brave series, which is stop giving the other team ammo, like stop giving them something to rile them up and like rally around. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but you you just opened a door wide open for me, and I have to jump through it. Mm-hmm. Jim Crane's all about giving other people ammo. You know, <laughs> that's how he makes his money. Saying, shut it down. <laughs> All right, continue. I just, I don't, I don't know. We're we're over to this postseason on teams positioning themselves as the victim in a relatively like minor juxtaposition to the other team, and ultimately like getting <laughs> roundly embarrassed as a result. Correlation or causation? I will, I will leave it up to baseball prospectus. Uh, <laughs> I just I just don't know. You're you're already in the playoffs. You're already here. You've proven that you deserve to be here. I'm not I I, I don't want to immediately start this conversation with a whole actor Astros victim kind of discussion. Why but, not? They're but, gone. But this is like, our last chance to do it. <laughs> let's do it. It just oh God, I don't know, man. I so uh, obviously this this kind of whole kerfuffle stems from Brian Abreu hitting Adolis Garcia with a pitch in game five after Garcia. I don't even know how you describe describe the unwritten rule that he necessarily broke on the home run that he made there. Maybe there were a couple in there. I don't even think he, well, he took a little bit to get to first base, but what is 2023? What are we doing? Well, which speaks to the larger question of, like, what the fuck are we doing, right? But, like, it obviously turned into a whole thing. Brian Abreu was suspended and then effectively unsuspended, um, which, again, didn't end up making a difference. Classic process right there from Rob. Classic process. You know, you got to stand by, back the blue, back the umpires, because they tossed him out of the game for hitting him intentionally, and then you got to stand by your guys. Mm-hmm. And then a neutral arbiter came to the clear decision that, okay, this was probably intentional. Whether or not you believe it was, right? They were, they pretty much had a unified front that they thought that this, this was an intentional hit by pitch. I just got to say, I'm trying so hard to focus on what you're saying. And, and I heard the new phrase neutral arbiter, which, you know, I love that really gets me mm-hmm. going. It really gets right, me yeah. a fire in my stomach. But at the Second same time, only to risk manager the fill- <laughs> and collective bargaining agreement. Uh, 
I'm trying so hard to focus on what you're saying, but also this the Philly season has come down to Jake Cave over here on my other tab. So <laughs> it's very hard. But the whole that was such a such a nonsense story that became basically the main ingredient, which is is reminiscent. I'm so glad that you point out that it reminded you of the Phillies Braves series because it's like, how are we letting this be the thing that throws us off our game? How are we letting this be the thing? that gives Adelis Garcia the fuel to knock a two-time champion, four-time World Series appearance, seven straight times in the ALCS team off their pedestal, a division rival, which, I mean, honestly, I think that that has vaulted itself into one of the best rivalries in baseball is is Texas-Houston now at this point with what it projects to be like going forward with both of these teams being good. Um, Obviously, we hope that maybe... Our beloved Seattle Mariners can nip on their heels a little bit better next year, but it was it was uh, it was really weird. It was weird. I'm glad, almost glad that the Rangers. I wanted the the Astros to win, as I have discussed multiple times. But I'm always almost glad that the Rangers won, so that this didn't become like yeah. a weird thing that another thing for people to put on their shoulder, chip on their shoulders about the Houston Astros. Um, oh boy, they really did it. They really did it. Very they fitting really ending did, huh? to fly out to Corbin Carroll to send the to send the Arizona Diamondbacks to the World Series. Oh man, <laughs> take a quick take a quick second to compose myself over here. Uh, we're we're going to talk about that in a second, but let's let's finish our thoughts on the ALCS first. I I just think it's a little it's it, I found it a little bit hard to talk about the Rangers and what they're doing this postseason because they are embodying so many cliches. And so almost when I find myself getting ready, getting revved up to talk about the team, it becomes challenging to not sound like the broadcast or like sound like the post-game review of what they're doing. But they are a team that is more talented than their record. They are a team that does take quality at-bats. They are a team that will take what you give them. They are a team that honestly feels pretty gritty. They do seem well-managed. But these are all things that are very hard to prove. And I probably not knowing how well they were playing would have picked against them in all three of their series so far. I will now pick for them in the World Series, which means that the Diamondbacks are definitely going to win the World Series. Mm -hmm. Have they... uh, I know I already kind of asked you this, but have they won you over as like a a great team? Because then after they beat the Orioles, after they swept the Orioles, I was kind of like, this team's pretty, like, legitimately great. Like, top to bottom depth. They're better way faster than I thought they were going to be. I mean, I guess it depends on what you define as as, like, a legitimately good team, right? Are they are they a team that is maybe... Are they a team for whom the playoff might obscure some of their weaknesses? Sure, right? Like, as the Rangers have shown, at least thus far, you don't need a third starting pitcher in order to find success in the playoffs, right? Given given the the layoffs, um, and sometimes your games one and five starter will pitch in game seven anyway. I feel like the way they kind of stumbled to the finish line has me with like a little shred of not doubt in my head but kind of a desire to see them repeat the success next year with the question marks that surround guys like Scherzer and DeGrom before truly cementing them as a force to be kind of reckoned with in the AL West you know I don't think it necessarily ends here where they have a core that will carry them for years to come like there's still question marks for them going into next year and and again not to like sound like we're just doing straight analysis but i don't know i gotta i gotta see a little more from them (laughs) i mean yeah we're are we getting ahead of ourselves of course but when you dethrone a team like the astros who though they struggled a lot this year and though they barely won the division and though the Rangers had to kind of falter at the end to give them the division. And honestly, the Rangers were probably the better team from March to like September 5th, you know? Uh, You still, it's the type of series win. It's the type of 
resilience. God, I, I hate like how <laughs> fearful I am of using these words that are just like way overused, but it's the type of resilience from a team. Right, the type of dignity. Right. Dignity. Great point. Didn't even think about that. It's the type of dignity from a team that makes you get out a little bit ahead of your skis because it's it's about as convincing a postseason run for a team that was legitimately horrible <laughs> two years ago and really bad last year that I've ever seen. And that's the kind of thing that's like, these are the narratives that we come to October for. These are the narratives that you and I appreciate. And I was pretty middling on the Rangers, both for personal and for more generalist reasons. That A lot of neutral fans don't like the Rangers because they seem kind of like a sleazy organization, honestly. But within that sleazy organization, there are kind of like a lot of bright spots. And we've talked a lot about moralizing organizations and teams this postseason. And if we can kind of let go of that a little bit, I there's a lot to like about this team. Um, and we, we, we haven't even said the name Evan Carter, who's like 21 yeah. and just seems like he's having the most fun of any human being on earth out there and oh my god yeah imagine if 21 year old you had to take in a bat against brian abreu like that might be it for us dog like that might be just it, it's a wrap you might just mm-hmm. i might have to go to the lamb after that <laughs> well i'm 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 trying to imagine like us freshman year of college Sophomore year of college, maybe like twenty one freshman year of college, (laughs) fail eleventh grade. No, but I no, but I mean us like at our student newspaper, like writing, doing our doing our little articles, you know, and then getting called up to the New York Times to write front page. I was so ready. You were ready. You were ready. Yeah, I was ready. But it's a good comparison. It would have honestly, they got good editors there at the New York Times. It would have been more like. Would have been more like us doing our podcast for about three weeks and then getting called up to host like three hours on WFAN in prime time, just like the next day. No editing, no nothing. Just you're doing it live. You got to throw to commercial or else we're going to get sued by the FCC. See that that almost feels to me more like independent baseball. You know, I'm like, you can you can do whatever you want here. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> if you curse on air, you get sued by the FCC. Yeah, but do I get sued or does WFAN get sued? Well, it's coming out of your salary, you know? Well, probably. Evan Carter making league min. Tough beat. Speaking of league minimum, Chaz McCormick took a 103.7 mile per hour fastball off his hamstring from Rollis Chapman, and that man is making league minimum. He's going into his final year of pre-arb next year. This is a labor crisis. This is this is a labor crisis. That is hazardous material on the job. He should get a year of service time for getting hit by that pitch. At least one year. Maybe two. Not to mention the fact that he was like a <laughs> like a top 20 hitter in baseball this year or something like that. You know, like that may even be selling him short a little bit. Yeah, but it took to like midseason for Dusty to believe that he's good. As we've shown, it takes him a little bit of time to come to the realizations that maybe some other folks came to before. Well, it, that's not going to be a factor next year because he basically announced, soft announced his retirement. Soft launch, Dusty Dunn. Yeah. What a career. We don't, a have career. Time, we don't have really that much time to spend talking about Dusty. We'll have plenty of time in this cold, cold off season. But uh, it, a weird way to go out, to win the World Series, to think that he was going to go out on top. A lot of rumors about that. And then to come back for one more year, you know, flirting, flirting with fire a little bit, trying to win back to back for the first time since the Yankees at the turn of the century, and it looked promising for a while there, and then uh, the wheels fell off. But you know, I guess tip of the cap to the Astros. Me being the one man outside of Houston, Texas, who was sympathetic to these Astros over the years. Now it cut the exact opposite way. I didn't need the Astros to win because I don't need to make a deal with the devil because they don't need to beat another NLA's team because Alex. Your Philadelphia Phillies, they botched it. Dunzo. They botched it. Uh, what, what happened? Did your power just run out? My power, which had been carrying them through not only the end of the season, but the postseason. Yeah. Uh, I think I bought my shirt too late, frankly. My, my Phillies merch. I, got, I, um, I recently purchased a... Uh, a vintage Phillies 08 World Series shirt. That is 
honestly more of a stab in my back than you choosing to be a Phillies fan for the future. I know. That's like well, reaching I, back into my trauma. <laughs> I was I was crazy bad energy move from you. <laughs> crazy really, bad. Really bad really bad energy. Frank like I I might be sicking the city of Philadelphia on me by putting this energy out in the world, but dare I throw the phrase stolen valor out? <laughs> like dare I say that? You dare. Who's your favorite guy from that squad? You flying Hawaiian guy? <laughs> no, it's got to be Chooch, right? You know about Chooch? <sighs> Love Chooch. Uh, but I always gravitated towards Chase Utley, frankly. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We got it. Just, he just felt like a guy who played the game with dignity. Well, this. <laughs> This has been a nice episode of Tipping Pitches. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, looking forward a nice to the World series, series of Tipping Pitches. <laughs> I would have accepted any combination of uh, Chooch, maybe a little Matt Stairs. So Taguchi would have been a real great pull. But really, the guy that I was looking for was Pat the Bat Burl. Of course. That's true Philadelphia legend stuff. The fact that just like this team, Joe Blanton, Chad Durbin, Joe Blanton. our guy, Jay Happ. Pitch for this team. He might not have been on the World Series roster because he was 25. And he only appeared in game eight games that year. But Ryan Madsen, lights out Lidge. All right, what? This is great. On? We're what? in we're in 2008. Phillies remember some guys. You just I cursed know, I your team. Here. I you just cursed here. your team. That's the big headline from this. I'm really getting lost down the Andy Tracy rabbit hole here. But you cursed your team. <laughs> so I mean. J.C. Romero appeared in 77 games for the 2008 Phillies. 77 games. That's what... That, you know... You that's what modern that analytics has taken away from you us. You don't see that anymore. John Smoltz was right. Put it on a shirt. So first, first, first you say, maybe billionaires got the right idea. Then you say John Smoltz was right. Alex out of context is going crazy. Someone needs to make that Twitter account. Sorry, X, formerly Twitter account. <laughs> there you go. Can we talk about the topic at hand? I, I will start. I think the Diamondbacks are still fraudulent. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm looking at Tori Lovello, who, by the way, every single announcer pronounces his name differently. Yep. It's Tori Lovello, Tori Lavulo, Tori Lavallo. I'm looking at him hugging Diamondbacks owner Ken Kendrick right now, and it's just sending shivers up my spine. Shivers up my spine, Alex. I don't understand what how what I I don't understand how this team <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't understand how this team won games six and seven on the road against the team with the best home field advantage in baseball. So, you as the Phillies expert on the pod, can you please help me and all of the listeners at home understand it? I no, I I, I don't think I can. I don't I don't think the Phillies themselves can fully understand it. If I'm being quite honest, I mean this this series was a really fascinating example of two managers who stick to their guns. You know, one in Lovello who says, my guys are not seeing your, your batters a third time through the order. Like it's just, it's, it's not happening. Right. I don't care if your name's, (laughs) I don't care if your name's Merrill Kelly, you don't get to go back out there. And Rob Thompson, who says my lineup's my lineup. Alec Bohm's my guy, and sometimes it pays off. But I, I, I at least appreciated that from this series that it was kind of two guys who said, "Cards on the table." Why are we going to stop doing Ogadas here? Right? I mean, I mean, obviously they're elite, like elite baseball mentality. I love that's one of my that's, that's one of my top three baseball mentalities. You do you do the thing that got you here. You know, keep playing the game that you know. Play to your strengths. Play to your strengths. You're honestly pretty chipper. I was hoping for a little bit more of like a me last year when the Mets got eliminated in the wild card energy. No, I but know. that's like that I, takes decades to muster it's, up. It's, it really does. I, you really got to hand it to Mike Hazen, the GM of the Diamondbacks, a guy's name I who knew has he no was. doubt been said dozens of times on this podcast. I, I knew he was the GM of the Diamondbacks. You just got to hand it to him, and he's a good one. Tip of the cap, definitely in the in the upper half of the league i okay i'm, I'm gonna say something about the phillies now i've had enough say time something to vamp, about the phillies to vamp and gather my thoughts i still hate this team 
<laughs> I still honestly hate a lot of the players. He shocks the world. <laughs> I still hate my relationship to the team, the organization. Uh, well, Mo- okay. most of the fans. Most of the fans. But I would like to say something. If I were to say that I couldn't, that I didn't appreciate the energy that this team brought to October, the pure bliss and chaos that they both gave and took from the fan base, I would be such a liar. They were easily the most entertaining, easily the most entertaining team for myriad reasons. And it feels no shade, no shade to the Diamondbacks, who we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about when we preview the World Series. And of course, as we do podcasts during the World Series, we will talk about their performance. No shade to the Diamondbacks. Feels a little bit like the air coming out of the balloon right now. Like Phillies, Rangers, is heavyweights fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rangers, Diamondbacks. The January 6th series. <laughs> All right. Well, the, well, the Phillies have like four dudes named... <laughs> Bryson or some version of that. (laughs) So let's slow our roll on that. I don't know. I mean, I I don't want to be unfair to the Diamondbacks because honestly, they have, as we talked about when you named them as like a little bit of a sleeper in our postseason preview, they have a lot of really interesting players who playing up to their potential have clearly proven to be worthy of going against a top tier team in the Phillies. I mean, this is two straight years with the Phillies proving that they can hang with the best of them. And I, I found it genuinely shocking how many guys who, how many guys whose names are not at, like up on the proverbial billboards the way that Harper and Trey Turner and Zach Wheeler and all of these guys on the Phillies are, how they just kind of matched them pitch for pitch at bat for at bat. Cattell Marte, Corbin Carroll finally showing up in game seven. Uh, Christian Walker still still waiting still waiting on him but he'll probably have a great World Series now um, even like from the top to the bottom of the order Geraldo Perdomo having multiple good at bats multiple hits getting on base having his speed on the base pass changing the shape of game seven like it's one of the more unlikely occurrences in our time covering baseball that this team would make it to the World Series and I don't think that we should totally brush past that but I do think that it's worth pointing out that that is a little bit of a letdown for people who like the idea of the best teams getting to take as many swings at each other in October as possible. Well, okay, so let's so let's workshop it. So how could we better craft the playoffs to ensure that the Phillies get to the World Series? Right. Okay. So like Well, first of all, we have to make sure that the Braves also get to the World Series too because that that wouldn't be fair to Atlanta fans. Right. And okay, players. So Phillies, Phillies, Braves World Series will be an interesting one. Um, structurally, we should let them play again for like third. You know, like they have the bronze medal game in <laughs> yeah, the Olympics. Right. We should just let the Phillies and Braves play again. I think more people would watch that. <laughs> they would, which is why they're not going to do that. That's free money right there. We're just giving away ideas. I feel compelled to tell you that you're getting the the real authentic Philadelphia experience after having cho- chosen them. Yeah. It would have been it just would have been way too easy if you chose them and 2 months later they won the World Series. Yes, it would have. Now it's like when the pa- when the path was much was cleared much more simply for them. That's that's when they ro- they rope you in and they let you down. Mm-hmm. A real Sixers-esque performance from the Phillies in this NLCS. <laughs> Bryce Harper, who showed up to Game 7 today rocking the Sixers jersey. Yeah, between you buying the 08 shirt and him showing up in a Pat Bev Sixers it was, it, jersey. It was, it was over. It was, it, it was so over. It was so over. The, the Diamondbacks are just so perpetually slept on. I think in part just because by virtue of the division that they play in, right? I mean, the Dodgers kind of leave no... The Dodgers leave barely any room to breathe there. The Padres obviously have been, you know, for years trying to gain a gain a foothold in that division, and at the very least, you know, have you know kind of begun to carve out space in that division 
for themselves where there maybe wasn't for for an extended period of time right and then obviously the giants hang around <laughs> amazing moment amazing moment from you saying the giants hang around three world series in the 2010s <laughs> so they're usually there <laughs> and there's a fifth nl west team as well who i briefly forgot the the name of <laughs> <laughs> which 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 might feel fitting there but but point being that like i think that it's been very honestly easy for them to sort of slip under people's radars playing in uh, you know a relatively competitive division and also not being in a sort of major market combined with the fact that they don't have a like bona fide nationally recognized star on their team yeah. It does kind of feel like everything was stacking up in favor of them being the underdog. I'm just really curious to see whether or not they actually have that vigor, you know, that grit. Yeah, how what basically what you're saying is how are they going to stack up against a team with so much dignity as the Rangers have? Well, yeah. <laughs> Can they muster enough decorum to fell the Rangers' dignity is what you're asking. They really <laughs> Not to like refocus back on the Rangers a little bit, but they do feel like a team that's like trying to force vibes. Yeah. Like far too hard, you know, like and that when they came out and celebrated on field, there was like one guy like wearing a pink backpack. It's like, that's quirky. (laughs) (laughs) I watched their uh, like champagne celebration. Mm-hmm. And them just like pouring beer on each other, yeah. just kind of half-heartedly, yeah, with like fluorescent lighting on. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is this is like a three out of ten. Not to mention, three out of not 10. to mention their their whole thing this postseason has been higher by Creed, right? Yeah. And so the song comes on in the clubhouse after the game, and they all, I mean, they all nail the first line. Can you take me higher, right? But that's kind of the easiest one, and things really went downhill from there in terms of group participation. <laughs> if I said I'll I give you a dollar for every word that you can continue to sing after Can You Take Me Higher, how far could you go? Not very far. <laughs> but I haven't made up my thing either. Not yet just, you haven't. I, I'm just saying Alex Bohm can probably sing along to dancing on my own at this point. We... Did I say we, Alex Bohm? You did. It's yeah, fine. You did. We're just going to keep it rocking. We celebrated episode 300 harder than the Rangers celebrated winning the ALCS. <laughs> we really did, actually. <laughs> Before we land this plane and start talking about the Oakland Athletics Analytics Department, which I know is really important to you, and that you really want to spend a good, good 30 to 35 minutes talking about at the end of this podcast, mm-hmm. what else is left from your notebook that you want to dump out from observations from this past week? Some of these are formed thoughts that's actually that's a lie there are very few formed thoughts in here but i'm just gonna kind of spill uh spill a notebook anyway uh chris young and kevin burkhart referring to each other as cy and kb during the 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 post-game like trophy ceremony yeah i know that like people call kevin burkhart kb yeah I guess I was less familiar with Chris Young going by CY. I was torn between like tenderness and revulsion. If 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 that makes sense. I got to say, I love it. Yeah? I love it. The pet names. I think ca- calling people by their initials when they sound good together is worthwhile. Maybe that's just jealousy because if you started calling me BW W having two syllables to three syllables. W having three syllables doesn't really work, you know? Yeah. Like, what you are you, me, Arthur's sister? You call me B-Wags. Yeah. Many but do, in fact. Ma- many do. Although more people just call me Wags mm. without the B. Because that's just more expedient. But I, I've, I, I've been tempted to call you AB. It's like a shortened version of your high school baseball nickname, A-B-B-A. That's true. Yeah. What if I what if you started introducing yourself on every pod earnestly as like A Bay Bay? Like we took on personas. 
like it's no longer before we get to that i'm it's no longer i'm bobby wagner i'm alex Baisley. it's i'm b wags (laughs) i'm a bay bay how many what percentage of our our listeners do you think we would lose in the first episode 30 i jesus and miro did it to great success for years unfortunately for us they're cool (laughs) i know then they also broke up you know so maybe that's that would be our trajectory if we started doing like that I think that is the model to follow. Right. I think they're relatively happy with where they landed. I think we should barrel towards an inevitable fallout. Okay. These are the ups and downs you of life. You want to start planting the seeds for it now? Yeah, because then if we do I that... I don't really like AB, if we're being quite honest. <laughs> you already fired the first shot when you chose the Phillies. Oh my God. You always do this. <laughs> um... Yeah, because then if we have the fallout, then we can have the comeback, the reunion. Right. People be, yeah. start dropping rumors like on Reddit, you know, mm-hmm. with anonymous accounts. And they're spotted together. Right. Drinking Having coffee coffees. in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Paris. Nice. I'm in. Done. Sold. After <laughs> I move to London, it'll be much easier for me to go to Paris. Yeah, so you're going to be at the one that's getting on a flight. So just the London thing every day, it just seems sweeter and sweeter. It really does. You've, you've, Brought it up, I think, multiple times in the pod. Just thinking about living in London instead, it just, you know, (laughs) my heart just grows multiple sizes like the Grinch. What a city. What a town. (laughs) Fully off the rails. It's 11.55 p.m. Fully off the rails. Yeah. All right. Keep going. AB, what's up next? Okay. uh, uh, What's up next? Um, Some of these are moot. (laughs) I I will admit, like like this one about Bryce Harper, which is that playoff Bryce Harper has rarefied air of of announcers who just kind of like do the upward intonation on every single swing you take. You know the kind yeah. of like of the the intonation of expectation, the Harper, Ooh, the intonation of expectation. Okay, Mister Scully, <laughs> go off. That's the name of my favorite emo album from <laughs> two thousand four. I think it's good. I think it's fine. I think it's cool when announcers are excited. It's you don't have to do it with every pitch, but I, I, I guess I appreciate meeting the moment more than the alternative. Falling short, maybe than every Joe Buck call from two thousand to two thousand thirteen. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, it's gonna be a great mid-career pivot when we start an emo band and stop doing pods. Yeah. Well, that breakup's going to be even more crazy. And that get back together is going to sell way more tickets. <laughs> That's true. Uh, okay, what's next? I really felt like Bryce was going to do something in the bottom of the seventh. Two men on, down two. Really felt like it was coming. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't meant to be. Reader, it did not come. Narrative ball. Let us down. I watched a little bit of the True TV Sorry, this is the, I think this is the name for it. It's the True TV Altcast Peloteros. Mm. Why didn't they get one more name in there? <laughs> it was Wait, it's important for people who don't know at home True TV stylized as T R U TV. Yes, that that actually is very important. Thank you for bringing that up. True TV Altcast uh, it was kind of fun, honestly. It was oh, Albert Pujols, Pedro like Martinez. Him. Oh, actually, I watched a little bit of this. I didn't yeah. know that I was watching it, but I did watch a little bit of it. <laughs> anyway, who else? Then Nestor Cortez was on when I was uh, watching it. Of course, hosted by the illustrious Alana Rizzo. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. She's crushing it. Between this... And her appearance with Mad Dog. This is the October of Alana. That's you, I mean, you famously, you've been waiting weeks to double down on your support of her. So would you like to use this opportunity? Right. The all, World Series? all the plenty of Alana Rizzo takes that I have. People have very strong feelings about her and I don't really one way or another. I think Dodgers fans do, especially because she was kind of their... Yeah, field reporter. It's one of those, Alana Rizzo is one of those figures where she actually does suck, but then the ways that people critique her are sexist. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we just got to, we're fighting a battle on two fronts here, guys. 
You yeah, can just it, critique her for sucking. You don't have to critique her for just being a woman. Right, exactly. And and I will say... Let like, women this, be bad also. Bobby out of context going crazy. It officially... It's officially midnight, so everything we say here can't can no legally can no longer be taken out of context. <laughs> That's true. This is this That's is weird podcasting. weird podcasting hours right now. It's all parody. It's always parody, but it's it's mega parody now. I think it is cool to just have people, and if they're players, it helps. Like just chatting over the game, just yeah. just shooting the shit, right? Like not necessarily trying to remark on every single pitch that is thrown or fill every second of dead air. Now, I will say, sometimes I can go too far in the other direction, right? When you have kind of uh, three baseball players there who are just watching a baseball game. Right. When you're, <laughs> when you're talking they about... Some, they don't always have something to say. When you're on your 30th Masterclass video that you've been discussing like us on the, on the Tipping Pitches live stream, it's like, oh, maybe we went exactly. a little too far. Maybe we should do- rope it back in and talk about this game here. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, all that to say, like, I, I do think this is the kind of thing that, you know, Major League Baseball and its like broader entities should consider exploring even more. And and if I'm being quite honest, it felt well situated for a Spanish language broadcast. I mean, all three of these guys are are Latin players. Um and you know, they would they would answer questions or have major discussion points in in English and then maybe have a little joke here or there with between each other, you know, and I, and I can't help, but think that if you're trying to grow the game, like what better way than to have some of Latin America's biggest baseball ambassadors talking about the, some of the marquee matchups in baseball. I didn't watch a whole broadcast. It's not that kind of hang. I was kind of like, all right, I, Hearing Nestor Cortez talk about how he doesn't like facing Vladimir Guerrero is fun. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's a little like talking about milk during a no-hitter, you know? That was supposed to stay within the confines <laughs> of the live stream, Alex. Was, You're breaking the rules. Uh, I like the player broadcasts. I like the alternate broadcasts through TV or otherwise. Um, they've been doing them on MLB Network for a few years now. Obviously, I'm like in the bag for CC because I worked on R2C2 for multiple years, but he has been doing them, um, you know, on MLB Network along with like Adam Jones at various times, and it's it been hosted by been hosted by MLB Network host and and you know, friend of the Barbacast when I was working on that show, Steven Nelson. So it's like, it's all good people like doing these, doing these shows and, and it's, and it's a good hang and stuff. And it's an interesting breaking of format. And I think the type of thing that can only be boosted and explored more as MLB breaks down the wall of what they think of as a broadcast and heads into the quote unquote streaming era. I remember when they signed the contract with Apple TV plus the, the, word on the street in the media world was that they were going to try to do a, a a slightly less traditional broadcast that they were going to have it be the attempt was going to be to make it a little bit more cinematic with all of apple's money and streaming capabilities as this tech company that um, is trying to get into live sports and streaming and whatnot and the broadcast itself was going to feel try to feel younger for people who would already be like native to the apple tv plus platform and also might want to be offered something like a live sports broadcast but that doesn't necessarily feel like you know, Turner in the nineties and it worked to varying degrees, you know, like friend, friends of the show were on that. Like Hannah Kaiser was involved in that. And I remember they signed Katie Nolan to be a part of that. And she's talked a little bit about like thinking it was going to be one thing and then sort of pulling that curtain back or pulling that, slowing that roll a little bit and pulling it back a little bit and saying, well, maybe we do need to be a little bit more traditional because it's just hard to do all this on the fly as we're trying to get into this world. But these various fits and starts with changing the way a broadcast sounds and looks and feels are interesting to me. I always, I mean, there's always going to be a market for just like the straight broadcasting of a baseball game as it's been done for a hundred years. Um, because the product itself is still really good, you know, uh, as evidenced by both of these series going to a game seven and, you know, various 
different games within the series were less competitive and less entertaining. But on the whole, I think we got two very entertaining and storyline-filled championship series. Much, 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 much better than the first couple rounds. Last topic. I'll spare. <laughs> I opened up this notes app at, at one point, and I had written, I have been taken aback multiple times this postseason. That's the and whole I, thought. That was that was the end of the thought, and I I didn't wow. really know I didn't really know what to do with that or what I was going for with that. I really love the like literary version of this pod. <laughs> Me too. It's just like Alex's shower thoughts about baseball. Yeah, I could get into that. That could be a Patreon idea. That could be a, a you know I think there are multiple subscription services services that would um, do well for that sort of content. I mean, if you just. If you throw the wrinkle that it's ASMR, we could put it on multiple platforms. Well, that's what I'm we saying. Cross, cross platform. Cross. Platform. Uh, <laughs> We're leaving so much money on the table. We it's really ridiculous. Are. This treasure trove of ideas. This podcast. My last point. I, I have another idea. Okay. So, like, well, hold on before you get to before you get to your last uh, your last point here. You do the ASMR cast. We're basically doing like our True TV alt cast Peloteros, but for the pod. So there's one version of the pod, and maybe maybe this is how we um, employ AI. There's one version of the pod where you do it in all the ASMR voice. You can like toggle it on and off if you're listening to it. There's oh. one version. Yeah, you like that, don't you? I do like that. You like that. That just the fact that I even said that. We just got thirty million dollars in VC funding. Absolutely. There's another version of the pod where you can like cut me out entirely. <laughs> you just find me annoying. <laughs> And there's a third version of the pod, third version of the pod, where I I do it in like full, full like Long Island accent. You know, I'm just doing accent work. I'm oh just trying God. it out. I'm like Queens accent. Where can and I get I, that one? I go spend like a, a solid month in like accent boot camp with my cousins, right. <laughs> and I come back, and I'm talking like De Niro and Mean Streets. I want you to come back in in March. Saying that you're in the best shape of your life, I just I will be, <laughs> I will be. I will have watched every Martin Scorsese movie and spent 31 straight days with my cousin who runs our Mets tailgate. Who that joke is for like three people listening to this at most, yeah. at yeah. most yeah. three people. I got it. <laughs> Great audience of one. It's like when musicians like uh, you know how they were like releasing like. Uh, like versions of their songs for TikTok these days now you know it's like the popular <sighs> the song goes viral and so they're like here's the slow version here's the fast version it's the worst it's just the creative industry is completely tanked luckily We're that so feature's done. already built into your apps I don't want my app to be I don't want I don't have to create the app no someone create the app for me I'm filling your content farms farm me out doesn't matter <laughs> my my last my last takeaway is just a brief one. So on the one hand, the base cam's bad. Oh my god. But it, it's so bad. It's so it's like so, almost so bad that it's good. Right, but like on the other hand, JT Railmuto step on me question mark. Like I felt like it, it like it came on in this game that we were watching. You know, they were doing like whip arounds of the various base cam views. I don't know what's like, going on right now. And he like ran back to first. I feel like I'm like, having oh. a lucid dream. Did you just say JT Rao Muto step on me on the on the pod? <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't even do it in ASMR voice. See, this is what I mean. We're leaving money on the table. I know I'm I know that I'm not alone in this position. I'm I'm so positive about that. Think about how mad JT Rao Muto is gonna be about what's going on in Arizona now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I finally got a joke that got Damn an authentic it. laugh from Alex. This is great. This is great. We should do every pod after midnight. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I don't even... Where do we go from here? Now we have Now we have a World Series that's coming up. Yeah, in three days. <laughs> Why are there three days built into this schedule? There's not three off days. I guess there's only two off days now because this game, this, this series went to game seven. So two two off days. There's this is just not it's not it's not ball, you know, it's not the ball that I grew up with. No. And toss frankly, it out the next day. Next day. Play World Series game one as a double header with championship series game seven. Well who says a, no? <laughs> frankly, a little unfair that the Rangers 
had to have one extra off day over the D-backs. Exactly right. And it's like unfair I, that the like Rangers have is, to play at home because they, they suck at home. They have 33%. They have, no, sorry. They have 50% more rest than the D-backs right math. now. That was great math. Did you go back to NYU and get your degree in math? <laughs> I just, everyone listening at home, I just need you you all to know about my caffeine consumption today. <laughs> because it'll explain a little bit why I am acting how I am. Just two double espressos, a 20-ounce Wawa hot coffee, which as anybody in the greater Philadelphia area knows, that's electric right mm-hmm. there. And then right before we fired up the the mics for this pod, just a, a an English breakfast tea. Oh, you knew we were getting literary. You know, you were like, I need something I can sip. Pinkies right. raised. I do feel like Shakespeare on this one. <laughs> feel like something on this one. Anything else from the notebook that you would like to share, or would you like to mercifully end this podcast? I guess we should we should. I don't even want to do like a full series preview of the World Series because we'll we'll have a chance to talk during the World Series about how it's unfolding. Other places will be doing a more like matchup specific pitching matchup. How do these rosters line up against each other? And that's not really what you're coming here for, obviously, after the last 25 minutes of whatever we've been doing here on this show. But I guess in our way, predict the vibes, predict the energy. What do you think is going to happen? I'm going to go... Rangers in six. Mm-hmm. The Marcus Simeon Love Fest series. Oh, okay. Good luck getting it past Marcus Simeon, Joe Mantiply. You've been coasting too easily against the Philadelphia Phillies left-handed bats. You're about mm-hmm. to be exposed, sir. <laughs> Done. Book it. What's your Kevin, prediction? Kevin Ginkle about to be put to the test. Tell you that much. Well, he's passed with flying colors in Game Seven. Oh, fair. I'm I'm gonna buy a Ginkle jersey, and I'm gonna put it on the tipping pitches card after everything you've put me through this year with your Philadelphia well, Phillies don't selection. Don't do it before the series is over, as we've learned. I don't really care anymore. I mean, I I want the Diamondbacks to win because I think that the Rangers are like moderately despicable, but they have mm-hmm. dignity. But moderately despicable, right? But at this point, it's like the pressure's totally off. I'm feeling zen. I'm feeling zen. What's your prediction? I mean, I hate to be lame and like double down on on your position. Like it'd be more fun to zag and say, I think the Diamondbacks, I think these scrappy upstarts can do it. But it I think I, I think I think Rangers in five. I like it. I like it. I think I think it's I think it's time to do some exposing. I just am really looking forward to seeing some more nasty Nate in my life. Just one of the purest joys that you can experience in the 21st century of baseball fandom. Just nasty Nate mowing through the best hitters alive. And like looking relatively joyful throughout it all. Like he's a gamer. He is. He is a gamer. But not in like a Scherzer gamer way, you know, in like a, in like a, just, just, just go out one pitch at a time. You know, you know, he's like, 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 Memory like a goldfish, right? Flush it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> sure. sure. I don't know. <laughs> the point is he's got dignity, you know? And that's what that's what matters. That's what carries you here. I have one final question for you. Do you know who Craig Breslow is? Yeah, uh, it's re- reliever, right? Retired reliever? That's correct, but also that's not why he's in the news. Okay. He was just hired as the next president of baseball operations for the Red Sox. (laughs) (laughs) He's been previously serving for the last few years as the assistant GM of the Chicago Cubs, and he is now the president of baseball operations for the Red Sox. Amazing moment. It's all been building to this on this pod. (laughs) I love that you knew him as a remember some guys, though. Well, I'm, what else you get? Am I like, no, I'm really... I'm well, actually uh, the down-the-line names of the Chicago Cubs front office. <laughs> so, so, in other words, the Red Sox were like, hey, it's working out for the Rangers so far. Yes. Just, just to get a, oh my God. a dude. Yes. I, 
I you reminded me of my final take that I wanted to share on oh, this pod. Great. Um, I was recently listening to a uh, a movie podcast, and the the person on the podcast was talking about the film Priscilla, directed by Sofia Coppola. Right, banger. It's a banger. Get out to your get out to your local theaters and check it out. The film by a small upstart named Sofia Coppola. Just ignore the last name. Uh, the leads of this are Elvis and Priscilla Presley, portrayed by Kaylee Spaney playing Priscilla and Jacob Elordi playing Elvis. Jacob Elordi, you know, he's in that HBO show. What's it called? Succession. Nope. <laughs> the Sopranos. <laughs> The Wire. He's in The Wire. <laughs> Euphoria. Yes, he's in the Euphoria. He is fucking tall. Yeah. Really tall. Mm-hmm. Kaylee Spaney, not tall. Probably the biggest height difference of any two leads I've ever seen in a film. And I have been working on a take. Very similar to my former colleague, Robert Mays, who had to take about how quarterbacks can be too tall. If you are above 6'5", you can't be a quarterback in the NFL. I think if you are more than a foot taller than your co-star, the movie might not work. And I think Priscilla is the exception to the rule. I think everything going forward, we can't have a height difference that, that big in a film. It was distracting. Honestly. I was like, he's legitimately twice her height. <laughs> what is happening? And I've been working on that take. Okay. And I would like to paste <laughs> it onto the Rangers. See why Chris Young is too tall to be a GM. Whoa. Too tall. It's distracting. He was up there on the stage. He's like a foot taller than every player. My mom, my mom was watching the championship, the trophy uh, ceremony. She was like, who's that guy? Why isn't he in uniform? It's like, I have amazing news for you. He played for the Mets. She was like, I knew I recognized his name. Too tall to be a GM. Too tall. Does your opinion change based on the results of the World Series? Like is like is he playing for his future for his kind. In, in your eyes right now? <laughs> for his kind. For his kind. Guys over six six. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think he is. That's what's on the line here. Mike Hazen's height, I just want to say, conspicuously absent. <laughs> I the watched internet. the trophy ceremony. He's not six foot no, seven. No, he's not. No, he's okay. not. He's a normal guy. Normal height. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The work of a GM, a lot of it takes place at a desk. That's just bad ergonomically. It's bad. Do you think Chris Young is on the standing desk trend? I feel like he's, he's got to be on the standing desk trend, right? There's no desk tall enough for this man. <laughs> please, let's please end this podcast. Please, please. Yeah, we should get out of here. Rangers, Diamondbacks, World Series starts on Friday. I'm... I'm moderately stoked. Moderately I'm, stoked. You know, I th- I think maybe Put it on I'm, the poster. Alex yeah. Baisley, moderately stoked. Moderately stoked. Most of my watching experience with a lot of the games these playoffs have started with me relatively uninterested in the game. And as the game has progressed, I have just grown more and more enthralled with everything happening in front of me. So I'm kind of hoping hoping the trend carries over. We will announce when the watch alongs will be for the series. At some point over the next couple of days, we just have to take a look at our schedules and the times of these each of these games and figure that out. Um, but until then, we will also, you know, we'll be in touch about when the next episode will be, since this one is coming out pretty late in this week. But uh, aside from all of that, sign up, Tipping Pitches Patreon, patreon.com slash tipping pitches. Um, I'm going to throw out a topic that I want to talk to you about on the next live stream. And I'm telling you now, because this is my thought diary tonight, clearly, as evidenced by the last 83 minutes of my performance on this podcast. Just dumping it all out there. <laughs> Here's what I want to talk about. Uh, a pool kid's tweet. Not the pool kid's tweet about Pete Alonzo. Right. Though that is canon now. That Pete Alonzo is cool and is a nice boy. A pool kid's tweet about the band Paramore which was sent to me, and it was the best moment of my week. Paramore came to a pool kids show and apparently likes the snare tone of pool kids. And guys say, I agree. More Mm -hmm. to come on the Tipping Pitches live stream. How about that for a tease? Thank you, everybody, for listening. Congratulations to the Arizona Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers fans. 
who listen to this podcast. But if you don't, no congratulations to you. Your teams are despicable. We'll see you next week. Everybody, uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya. They changed everything in Zoom so that they can have they they can add two different buttons for AI features. So now there's like an AI summary of your meeting that you can bring up in real time, and there's an AI companion. I don't really know what either of those things do. I do feel like if I press that button, I'm like signing away like an organ or something, you know, like with Zoom's terms of service. Wait, so you're telling me the the one time that I don't update my Zoom before a recording is the time that you get all the AI features? Yeah, I got all the AI features, bro. Maybe maybe they're in beta and they just like me better than you. Maybe. Or they think your data is more harvestable. I mean, my data is definitely more harvestable than you. <laughs> You've made like a lifetime commitment out of keeping your data as least harvestable as possible. Right. Until it comes to MLB fan unions, in which case anything's up for grabs. <laughs> <Sign over. laughs> yeah, exactly.